Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Headlined by a light heavyweight bout between Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spahn. Featured prelim. We're talking about the prelims right now. Gabriela Fernandez, Jasmine Jasudovicius. And uh, on a prelim card overall, that it's got a bunch of wa- weird matchups that I'm not sure why they were made. Yeah. But there are a lot of fighters on it that I like to watch. So I'm kind of 50-50 split on it, how I feel Wait. about it. Did you say headlined by light heavyweights? I did say headlined by light heavyweights. <laughs> I'm just going to do the same bit again. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's fine. Uh-huh. These prelims, there are some strange matchups. That just seems to be the order of the day or the order of the year so far is it's uh, just like, more than ever. Like, why these two, though? Like, yeah. It's very much suddenly the UFC at a place where, I mean, they've been sliding this direction for a while. Yeah. Ever since Joe Silva quit, um, it's clear that uh, Sean Shelby and Mike, uh, oh, who's the other guy? Mick Maynard. Mick Maynard. Mick Maynard. It's clear that they have a more general, whatever we can make work in the moment is fine. Yeah, they're not like they're not like revealing to the fighters that they know the location of their mother's house in order to get them to accept a fight. Yeah. Joe Silva style. Joe Silva. Joe. Joe was definitely a like, you are my puppet. You shall dance to the tune I play. He was an exceptionally good matchmaker. Really, 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 really good at it. Which is only because he was an incredibly evil little man. Yeah. Huge asshole. Fighters dancing on dancing on his grave, so to speak, when he quit. Um, but he put together great fight cards, and it's because he had this very linear idea of how the UFC and their division should look, which yep. was winners fight winners, losers fight losers, fighters with the same kind of UFC record fight each other. You got two guys that are two and zero. Oh, they fight each other. You got two guys that are three and oh, they fight each other. You got two guys that are two and one, they yeah. fight each other. As long as they're both coming off a win or both coming off a loss. Yeah, and he really, really now. believed in the trial by fire nature of the UFC. Like nobody gets an easy matchup ever. Yep. Yep. But uh at the very least, he um he wholeheartedly believed in the idea that like the process of 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 having to prove yourself against your level of competition as high as that goes would reveal the best fighters. Yeah. And, and now it, was, it does I don't know if it's the ESPN deal as part of it, if it's a change in philosophy or I think it's a slow change in philosophy and the ESPN the pressures of having so many cards to fill all the time and just a change in philosophy of different people who are just like, you know what, it, it it's just not that important. If yeah. we're getting good talent fights, that's more important. And well, it, you know, it increasingly they're not getting those either. So I know. So it, it's it's a uh, the the weird thing is like I was I've been predicting this for ages. 
that we would be seeing more of them. And this is not like a, a genius guy prediction that the UFC would. Thanks for agreeing with that before I got to the prediction. <laughs> you know, no. I just, if, if you're prefacing with that, I should trust that vibe. <laughs> it's you said it. So obviously that's true. Yeah. Um, but like that the UFC would be, would head more in the direction of boxing cards. Like yeah. you get a headliner you care about and you get a bunch of trash that you don't care about. That's the undercard. If yep. you get a boxing card with like two actual title fights on it, that is a, an event to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, act, well, I say actual title fights cause you get that pretty often, but it'll be like the yeah. uh, WBA super junior uh, extra bonus silver championship. The, the, the New Jersey Chamber of Col- Commerce <laughs> Continental Light Heavyweight Junior title. Not a yeah. functional um, progression in boxing either. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is, is that the, the, the trash you get on boxing undercards, they do tend to be like guys progressing through managed careers. Yeah. So, like, the fights are uninteresting because it's a hot prospect fighting a can. Yeah, it's it's Bellator undercards. Yes, exactly. On the undercard. That at least still makes a kind of sense. Like, somebody's design is being carried out in this matchmaking. Yeah. Here, it is just content. Yeah. These are just meaningless fights. Like, no one's being developed in them. It's just yeah. smashing your massive collection of action figures together because you need to have somewhere between 11 and 15 fights in five weeks. Yep. And um, really much, so much that, more a thing now where it's that just, I did not see coming. The sort of yeah. soulless corporate conglomerate approach to um, knowing that you only really have to pay attention to the big fights, but then no one's paying attention to the, the small fights, yeah. not even the managers because the managers all essentially work for the fucking UFC. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So on that note, this undercard is fine, but it's got a bunch <laughs> yeah. of matchups on it that are like, why? Yeah. Why that fight? Why have Nerulo Aliyev fight Rafael Alves? Yeah. Because Aliyev is an interesting prospect early in his career, and Alves is a exceptional athlete who has plateaued far earlier than he should have a finished product, a finished product, and, but not an easy test for a developing fighter. Not yet. It's not a, a fight to develop somebody. Alves should be out there. You know, he should be fighting the Drew Dobers of the world every week, or he should be a gatekeeper to somebody who looks like they're ready to break through. Yeah. Aliyev, you're really just you're being like, okay, dude, are you really you think you're ready? Are you ready? Because you're about to get challenged. Yeah. Anyway, let's jump in first here with a kind of the same thing. Gabriela Fernandez against Jasmine Jasuda Vicious. This one and, makes a little more sense to me at least. Yeah, I mean it, it's a little more sense. Jasuda Vicious is not a finished product. She's still a fighter developing. Um it's just a little bit weird because, you know, she got a big win and is now coming off a pretty hard loss and yeah. is fighting another fighter on a big winning streak looking to introduce herself as a prospect. Yeah. I mean, that is a pretty heartless piece of matchmaking, but at yeah. least I, it, it does make a kind of sense. Like, Jasmine yeah. Vicious has proven herself in the past, uh, but now it looks like she's not just going to run off as a prospect. 
here's another prospect who may have that, you know, test they can't pass yet awaiting them. Yeah. And they're at least they're at similar points in their careers overall. Yeah. Um so you know, I, I like um the look of Gabriela Fernandez mm-hmm. as a UFC newcomer. She's nothing she does that particularly blows me away. Like, for example, when I I watched like Jasa Devisius' fight with um Silva. I can't remember her first name. Uh not Natalie. Yeah, Natalia Silva. Natalia Silva, yeah. No. Um and like she's got a similar level of striking technique to Fernandez, but she's so fast. So fast. She is lightning fast. I'm like, whoa, this is a special fighter uh who doesn't even need to get that much better technically because she is down to scrap and she is lightning quick. Yep. Um Fernandez doesn't have that level of physicality. No. Um neither is she a bad athlete. I think she's probably on par with Jessica Devisius. Mm-hmm. And she, she other, does have the the credit to her, or you know, the the strength for her over Natalia Silva being just bigger. Yeah, she's bigger, uh, which may have something to do with the fact that she's noted, notably slower. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a pretty reasonably put together fighter. She doesn't um, throw a lot of combinations, but she also doesn't just like hang out in the pocket not knowing what to do. She's pretty responsible yeah. with distance management, and she's got. Um, a, a pretty well-rounded striker skill set. Like she's got a nice sharp. She's got nice sharp technique on every mm-hmm. single one thing she does at a time. Yeah, exactly. She looks. She looks well schooled in each individual technique. Um, I think with a little more aggression, I would be reminded of like Hinato Moicano's striking. Mm-hmm. Um, very kick forward offense. When she throws a combination, it's pretty messy. But she tends to only throw those when she knows she has the opponent badly out of position. Yeah, and she can uncork a bunch of punches in a row. Otherwise, reasonably measured pace, but again, very responsible, methodical striker. So, yeah, a good-looking up-and-coming fighter. Jassy Devisius, um, the thing I'm not entirely sure about is uh, is how Fernandez deals with the possibility of Jassy Devisius getting on top of her. Fernandez's um, tit wrestling game is bad. We right. want to talk about her being like what looking well-rounded and stuff. She's well-rounded in her as striking, a striker, I mean. yeah, and she is interesting and aggressive as a grappler. Yeah, her wrestling is bad, just yeah. bad. Yeah, she looks like somebody who like tra- yeah trained Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, mm-hmm. and, and doesn't and there's no wrestling coach. Yeah, um, and Jiu Jitsu class consists of starting from your butt, like yeah. Uh, a classic case of Brazilian MMA development. Now, Jassy Devisius is, um, her wrestling is not like amazing either. No. Certainly against a top shelf athlete like Silva, she couldn't get a damn thing done. Yeah. Um, but she is a very clingy, annoying clinch wrestler. And she's a, her, her top game is far and away the thing she does best. Her top game is brutal. So she is, she should be heavily incentivized to get to those positions. Mm-hmm. And I got to assume it's going to happen just because Fernandez's takedown defense looks so sort of overlooked. Yeah. As an element of her game. Like she just, you know, the, uh, the win she got over Caroline Martin's, yeah, uh, was very much a like I I jumped on this 
while getting taken down. Uh huh. Kind of thing. And the win over Edna Oliveira was like, okay, you're I'm six inches taller than you, mm-hmm. and you're out wrestling me, but you just got really tired because I'm six inches taller than you. Yep. And you had to quit. So this really looks like a fight where the the problem for Fernandez to overcome is going to be the wrestling. The problem for Jasper Davisius to overcome is going to be the distance. Yeah, because she's 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 fairly ponderous as a striker. Slow, she's, and she wades yeah. through that middle distance with very with li- no protection. Her her yep. striking form is very awkward. You can see when she tries to throw an overhand, like the shoulder comes up, and then the elbow comes up, and yeah. then the arm goes out. And it's very, you know, there's no, there's no smoothness to the motion at all. Yeah. So, you know, and I think, I think it will genuinely be a problem for her to get to range, uh, Mm -hmm. to get, to get to the range where she can just start trying to blanket, uh, a a wet blanket, uh, Fernandez down to the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, once she gets there, I, I, I think, especially once she gets on top, uh, I just don't, I just don't think it's going to be very good for Fernandez. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, she had a ton of problems against a smaller, but, but quicker fighter in Silva actually closing the distance. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you pointed out before, Fernandez is, that is more or less Jasa Devisius size. I mean, it's, yeah, this is a much easier problem for her to overcome uh, when she's fighting little tiny girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really the thing that stands out first and foremost about Fernandez's striking style is that she's pretty much always at the right distance yeah she she manages her space well she throws good strikes she's yeah really good and consistent about her offense and her output and i think she's a solid enough grappler that it's not necessarily a death sentence if in like one round she gives up a takedown yeah. um just is a very good top control uh ground and pound fighter but she's yeah. not a finisher that's true know? yeah so I don't know. Um, I guess I will take Fernandez, which is unusual when I'm I'm looking at a matchup where one person seems to have a clear wrestling advantage. Yeah, but I do think it's going to be it's it's going to be difficult unless Justin Davisius shows some new, you know, layers to her striking or or even just a new sense of urgency. Like if she's just trying to rush Fernandez, knowing that she has to get to the clinch or lose. That might be good for her. Yeah. But I, I don't, she's not that kind of fighter. Like she'll bully somebody if they're cowed, but uh, Fernandez is going to be looking, you know, good posture on the feet. Like she's ready to fire back. And that really troubled Jasper Davisius against Silva. Yeah. And I mean, it was one of those things too against Kay Hansen where like, yeah, even Kay Hansen. Kay Hansen instituted most or initiated not instituted she institutionalized yeah. herself no uh Kay Hansen <laughs> initiated most of the grappling exchanges that she ended up losing yeah and the moment Hansen stopped initiating those exchanges yeah she just started out punching uh yeah she's just a significantly better and faster boxer yeah, yeah there's a there's a missing link in Jesse Davisius's fighting game yeah that needs to be needs to be uh peking man in there (laughs) (laughs) trevor peking man that's right um (laughs) yeah that that's going to be a problem for her and i do think um despite her own gap 
I, I think Fernandez, it's going to be quite difficult for Jassy Dubisius in all the spaces between the one place she looks to have an advantage. Yeah, part of me want the the top game of Jasuda Vicious. I really like it a lot. It's so awesome. I really don't want to pick against her here, but yeah, I think the distance management and the output from Fernandez, it really is strong. She kicks the legs well. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she just knows what she wants to to do. She knows how to stick somebody on a jab and to to land a one-two and just be a very patient striker in a way that if Kay Hansen had done that, she would have beat Jasuda Vicious. This is Shevchenko's division, man. Relentless distance management can take you very far. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll stick with you on this and go with Fernandez as well. Um, like I say, I, I, you know, I feel a little bad for Jasuda Vicious in this kind of matchup because it is, she does seem like a fighter who still has weight. You know, there, there's still a prospect there to be molded. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it may not happen at this level. Yeah, she she just needs some development. Yeah, she needs just you know somebody to really get on. She needs like a a, a Cordero kind of you know. Yeah, not to, not to play all our hits, hoof hoot Cordero, yada yada yada. But like somebody to just be like going in there, get on this person, get into the clinch and make working a driving yeah brutal clinch game the focus of your game somebody to convince her that um uh, that that like getting hit is like a victory <laughs> like yeah, yeah walking into shots means you're getting to your range like you yeah. just have to go in there and accept that from the jump i'm gonna walk into some nasty punches in the process of getting to the place where I win fights. There are like two people, two women in in the whole division at 125 that can knock anybody out. You're right. not you're not going to fight many of them. You know, right? You're you're gonna you know you've already been lit up by. I mean, Natalia Silva is a hell of the hell of a fast puncher. Yeah, and you took a lot of her shots very well. Yeah. So just walk people down r- relentlessly, and that that's if she showed even the inclination to do that, even if it didn't work against Silva, I think I'd pick her here. Yeah. But she was she was put off by the fact that she couldn't time the punches and evade them. So, yeah, odds on the bout. She needs a little more Julian Arosa. Yeah, that, that's a great great call. Arosa really is. Ta- he's a dude who he's he's his chin is fragile. Yep. He has he is not the most physical guy in the division. He is not a top athlete. Yep. But he knows that his battles are won by marching putting people through hell and marching he's not gonna win unless he makes the opponent hit him yep you know <laughs> like that's the mindset shift i'm talking about yep fernandez opened at plus 145 dropped to minus 110 currently at minus 131 fernandez uh jesuda vicious opened at minus 170 jumped up to minus 106 and is currently at plus 107 so Gamblers liking Fernandez here. I would assume a lot of that is also just because of her her record, uh, eight and one, coming in on a big win streak. I don't yeah. necessarily think that that should be a great indicator. Um, like I say, I mean, the fights that she had on the come up, there aren't a lot of finishes in there. Mm-hmm. The women that she was fighting made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Uh like Edna Oliveira was fighting a pretty good fight as a much smaller fighter. 
mm-hmm. and just folded physically, you know? These are not necessarily fights that I would then yeah. be like, oh, yeah, no, just, you know, uh, Fernandez is already right now ready to buzzsaw that division. Yeah, she looks solid, but solid is not close to the most important thing for a yeah. high-level competitor. The other thing I'll point out just quickly before we move on is that uh, I kind of forgot about this, but Jassi DeVici's other loss as a pro, because I was thinking maybe that was a prospect loss. She'll turn a corner here. Her other loss as a pro was to Elise Reed. Yeah. Somebody that is who, not someone you want to be losing to as a yeah, yeah a if top, top control. Eight, your four, Elise yeah. Reed should be a very winnable fight. Yeah, that that's just more evidence of her just sort of getting scared off of pursuing her game. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a lightweight bout: Jordan Leavitt, Victor Martinez, and um, yeah, I mean. Once again, you've kind of got like an interesting fighter to develop here. And I mean, I get like, yeah, I don't know. Like, this just, just doesn't seem like a fight that does anything for anyone. It get, I, get, I guess it can get Leave It back on a win. But Victor Martinez feels very much like. A triple-A talent, I would even say. Yeah, and are we looking at Jordan Leavitt and being like, this guy's going places, we need to get him back on the winning track? No. Leavitt is a dysfunctional fighter. Leavitt is a dysfunctional fighter who can craft an individually interesting game if the UFC is willing to keep feeding him the right kinds of interesting fights. Yeah, and like, what's like, the... Leave it fighting Patty Pimblett was actually good matchmaking. Yeah. Good, functional. We want to build Patty Pimblett, and it's a huge win for Le- it's a huge opportunity for Leave It to raise his profile with a win. And it is a singular test for Patty Pimblett that is passable and would show something to fans that they would be excited about. Mm-hmm. And it worked. It was a very functional piece of fight booking. But now Levis lost. And, like, you're pushing him back down the division, but you're pushing him, like, too far, you know? This is not... This isn't an interesting fight. Mm-hmm. This isn't a fight that we haven't seen Levis have before. You know? And Victor Martinez is just, like, one of... You know, he was, I'm pretty sure he was a big underdog, even on the Contender Series. Mm -hmm. And you watch that fight and you look at his game and it's not hard to see why. Yeah. He's not a very good athlete. We're talking about this with, uh, oh, with Montana De La Rosa on the main card of Ivy. Mm -hmm. About how she and her husband, the De La Rosas, both have crafted striking games that are meant to be used by much better athletes. Victor Martinez is also that dude. Mm-hmm. Like he has a very slick, hand trappy, in and out, darting boxing game. That is what he's looking to do. He's not a fast man. He is not a hard hitter. So it is very much like 
you are you are working you are walking the razor's edge to make this work yeah and the fact that he has a split decision loss to eric gonzalez tells you exactly what kind of <laughs> edge that is mm-hmm. jordan leave like his game is dysfunctional it will not, not succeed. It will not succeed at a high level. It will not succeed at a high level. He's but not a very good wrestler. He is a sellout grappler, yeah. and his striking is fundamentally broken. Yeah, but it is very frustrating to deal with. Yeah, it's if you're Charles, not a high level fighter. He's lightweight Charles Rosa. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the tools to be specifically prepared for the kind of awkward, frustrating game that Leave It is going to bring to you. Yep. He'll win. He'll do Charles stuff. Rosa are like uh, the dearly departed Elias Theodoro a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rest in peace, Elias. Yeah. Uh, had a, such a weird, awkward, frustrating game if, unless if you, you were, were just more, a beast. If you were more of an insane grappling talent, it's also like Ryan Hall as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just... He knows how to win rounds. He knows how to he knows that how to make points that win rounds. Yeah. Throw little kicks, throw big overhands, be awkward at distance, yeah. use distance as a defensive tool. That forces him to take shots that are way too far out. Mm-hmm. So he's not a real lockdown wrestler, but he's an aggressive one who will chase a takedown when he gets the opportunity. And then he's a very good scrambler and a very good opportunistic grappler who will make things happen. Still not a great athlete, still mm-hmm. somebody that Patty Pimblett could just hulk his way through in the end, but a absolute just have to peel this guy off of you constantly. Mm-hmm. A frustrating fighter to deal with. And I really doubt that Victor Martinez has the tools to handle that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you all the way. Another perplexing piece of matchmaking, because it's like, who who's the upside here, is the question. Yeah. yeah. Who's the A-side in this booking? Like, we know Jordan Levitt has already proved that he can hang out in the UFC and win some fights. Yeah, for sure. You know, he beat Claudio, he beat uh, Matt Sales, rather, and Trey Ogden. Yeah. He had a nasty, terrible fight with Claudio Puelles, who uh-huh. is a frustrating, similarly frustrating fighter in his own right. He beat Matt Wyman. You know, he's he can dominate the right kind of fighter. So we know that. And Victor Martinez just looks like the right kind of fighter. Like, you, you know. Yeah. Put put You give me Jordan Leavitt versus... Um, uh, Ricky Glenn, you know? Yeah, like, either a two guys hanging out matchup or it, it uh, otherwise his success and his style slots him into the role of low-level gatekeeper. Yeah. and You get a guy, not, not Victor level. Martinez. Yeah. A guy on, you think... On a winner too. Yeah, a guy you think might be good. Yeah. And you're like, okay, here's a guy who's super annoying. How do you... Heidi Pimblett was an excellent piece of matchmaking. It's just that like... Makes perfect sense, yeah. You know? So... Yeah. Yeah, this looks like an eminently winnable fight for Levin. At the very least, like his style might not make a lot of sense. It might have way too many gaps for for a really good either athlete or a really good like strategic technical fighter. Yeah, but 
Um, he is himself a strategic thinker. Mm-hmm. He knows how to keep somebody at range. Um, he is perfectly willing to just peck away at somebody as long as they're stuck at range. And then when you get close, he's going to cling to you like his life depends on it, which it yep. kind of does. So it, it definitely does. Because if he lets you go, he's in the pocket, and that's a bad place for Jordan Leavitt to be. Um, so, yeah, this looks like the kind of fight he wins. Yeah. Leave it open at minus 125. Got down to those minus 135. Shot up all the way to minus 102. It's currently minus 110. We're dead even odds here. Martinez opened at plus 105. Dropped all the way down to minus 120. And it's currently a minus 112. I'm willing to be... I Look, we were both wrong about... Uh, what was his name? Jack... Uh, Jenkins? Jenkins. Mm-hmm. On the last card, we're like, this guy seems like a really messy striker with a really good top game. Um, he didn't get to do any of the top game at all, but his striking looked a lot slicker. Yeah. Really a lot, just more, you know, still not a great defensive fighter, but a dedicated offensive fighter. No defense, no footwork, but strike selection on point. Yeah, really good strike selection. I'm willing to be wrong about Victor Martinez out here. Like I say, he's yeah. developed a, a, a striking game that would fit much better with a better athlete. Yeah. Um, and he's lost a variety of fights before. He's on a nice win streak. It's not a very meaningful me- win streak, but he's made it happen. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to be wrong, but what I've seen from him is just, like I say, it, it, to me, it's, it's not even, like Jordan Leavitt is a quadruple A fighter, the kind of guy who, you know, you put it, you slot him into LFA or cage warriors or whatever and he's he's gonna win a lot of he's gonna win a lot of bouts and be a like a title fighter there forever Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's such a specifically crafted game to take advantage of the the weaknesses of regional opponents martinez is he's more like the kind of guy who loses big fights on the regionals to me Mm -hmm. you know yeah he's got a game that's just it's the kind of game that somebody like jordan leavitt takes advantage of Anyway, that, my minor rant over. That brings us to a flyweight bout, Ode Osborne, Charles Johnson. And um, this is a good, this is a good solid piece of book, you know. Yeah, I like this book. fight. Yeah, I don't know what exactly. I mean, with my very uh, simplistic understanding of like, you know, the, the roles that fighters play in promotions, I'm not really sure at the moment where Charles Johnson fits. Mm-hmm. Because Charles Johnson has impressed me. He is making the he is making the moves. He's figuring it dude. out, man. Yeah, this is like, exactly what we like to see. This is a dude who came in with a good, you know, with some good wins that you go and you watch the fights and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. this doesn't super solid. But he looked like a Will Brooks kind of thing. Where it's yeah, like, this dude has a regional championship style. Yeah, that keeps him safe and keeps him barely ahead yeah or even just behind and then the fact that he you know has some good technique and has is can so consistent keeps him in the point where he can make he can find opportunities to win very late in fights yeah but it was uh, not a winning style and muhammad mokayev just went out kind of ran him over yep you know and i guess it pissed him off because yeah 
he's fighting like a dude who's pissed off now <laughs> and it kind of rocks like yeah um for, for a guy who looked like the the bad side of bobby green mm-hmm. you know kind of has the good side of bobby green too like yeah he is an accurate puncher a pretty natural combination puncher when he has a mind to put strikes together yeah like excellent shot selection he can fight from range um, but the most important thing is he already had these technical abilities. He was already yeah. accurate. He was already very sharp. He's already a very hard fighter to control on the mat. Yeah. As, well, as he showed against Mokaev as well. Yeah. yeah. What he's added is an aggressive mindset. Yeah. That now he just wants to go out there and cook people. And um, he's that's been hard, doing it. That's a hard switch to flip. Yeah, I'm still a little sad that part of that comes off of a, frankly, questionable win over Zhaga Shumagulov. Yeah, who was also figuring out the same thing and just yeah. did not. Two guys who helped each other reach that point, basically. And unfortunately, Shumagulov got cut yeah. uh, and then retired. But it was, uh, you know, for all the fact that I, I wasn't sure Johnson won, it was certainly close enough that it's not like a robbery. And it was a new look for him that he seems to have continued. Yeah, into his next fight, and if he can be the same kind of fighter against Odie Osborne, he's going to knock Odie Osborne out. Yeah, because that's how Odie Osborne loses. He is himself a tricky, crafty fighter, mm-hmm. but um, a he's lot more of, like your classic J- Jackson Wink guy, where it's yeah, just a whole bunch of techniques. He selects one to to do from distance. If it works, then he makes something big happen. And if it doesn't work, then he gets cracked. Yeah. And because he's not very durable and there's not a lot of connective tissue, it means that every idea he has is kind of a gamble. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I I think this one will be interesting as long as it lasts. He's probably going to crack Johnson with some good shots. But um, hoping that Johnson continues this sort of I'm I'm angry at the world attitude into this fight. I, he is going to knock Osborne out. Yeah, I, I really like what we're seeing. Tonight. Even if he doesn't continue it as well as he could, because Oday Osborne will certainly offer a lot more yeah. danger and variety from range than either uh, Zhumagulov or Flick could. Yeah, this could be Charles Johnson classic, and he'd probably still like... He's going to be tough. He's going to be in the fight the whole time, and he's going to have opportunities to make one thing happen at some point. And we've seen yeah. like Oday Osborne was doing just fine against Tyson Nam. He was doing just fine against Monel Cop. Right. And it still ended up with him walking right into something heavy. Yeah. So I'd like to see this be a fight where Oday Osborne is not winning until he loses. Cause I think yeah. one more instance of Charles Johnson taking the initiative, taking the fight to his opponent, and I know he's like 33, but that essentially makes him like a finished product who's ready for high-level fights. Yeah, uh, I agree. he already had the makings of a, of a very good fighter. It would be great to see him follow the the young veteran track. That we, you know, if, if we didn't even like, realize yeah. he was on that track, yeah, it could be that that's what he was doing, and this would be his moment to show it. Yeah, that is what he looks like as a guy who is fought with a very defensive mindset, been focused entirely on being solid, but in the process of having to be solid and getting so much time in, he has uh, now discovered that actually he was accidentally becoming a very dangerous fighter all, all along. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Johnson is the favorite here. Opened at 
Oh, come yeah. Minus 160, drop down to minus 193, currently up at minus 163. Osborne opened at plus 140, jumped up to plus 160, and it's currently back down at plus 134. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Johnson looks good as the favorite here. Um, Osborne, his principal... His his principal shields are his range and his uh, dynamic ability to create fight single fight ending strikes. Yeah, and through all the struggles that uh, Johnson may have had, he's a a very big rangy flyweight. Yeah, so he's going to negate that, and he's never been knocked out. He's yep. very very tough. Tough and pretty difficult to just hit clean, too. I mean, again, he's been a solid fighter most of his career. Well, yeah, probably he'll be easier to hit now that he's more aggressive. But even then, he, he looks very calm and aware when he's pressuring people. So, yeah, I, I hope this is another impressive win. And then we get to see Charles Johnson getting tested for contention very soon. All right. That brings us to a lightweight fight. Joe Selecki. Carl Deaton the third, and uh, yeah, if we had a good matchup between Osborne and Johnson and Fernandez and Jesudovicius, this is back to the leave it Martinez, <laughs> yeah, thing where I'm not really sure why Deaton is here, uh-huh. and Selecki, yeah, he's hit a bit, he hit a little bit of a wall. Uh, pretty uh, a wall that was pretty obvious he was always going to be walking into as a guy who based his striking style around power punching and is not a very good striker. He, he's got a, a a very Pat Sabatini thing going on where it's like, oh, yeah, when you get to go forward and land your shots, it yeah. seems like you can hit kind of clean and hard. But if somebody dares to strike you back in that moment, you realize how stiff and yeah. how much it's just like hope and pray, how much hope and prayer is going into mm-hmm. each striking exchange. Yeah, I mean, from that perspective, it. I guess I I get that this, uh, at least this matchup has a, 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 a tinge of having an A side. Yeah. So, okay, he looks like a guy who had some potential. He hit, he hit a speed bump. We're trying to bring him back on course maybe, but why you signed Carl Deaton for that role? Is not yeah. entirely obvious, especially too with Selecki coming off a win over Alex De Silva. Like, yeah, and it's lightweight. Like, don't you have guys? Yeah, to fight Selecki, <laughs> don't you have guys? It's the biggest roster in the in the organization. So, I and like, yeah, I get it's a short notice. Benoit Saint Denis pulled out, but you still should have other guys. Yeah, like, I don't know. This sounds like we're just hating on Carl Deaton. It's just it's just us critiquing the UFC's. Uh, new sort of style of matchmaking that just yeah and, uh, it just seems like, like the easiest thing to do is to just sign another fighter when you yeah. have a fight that needs to be made you just instead of looking at your roster you just sign somebody i don't i'm not I, you know i'm not trying to hate on carl Dean. i just don't i don't want to see if a fighter is going to get if a fighter like carl deaton is going to get to the ufc i i want to see them like get opportunities to win right you know? yeah and this does not feel like a very winnable fight for carl deaton no it does not he is 
another dude, if we're talking like Victor Martinez, like Montana De La Rosa, who has pigeonholed himself with a striking style that is very difficult for him to pull off. Yeah. Even more so in his case that he has a very like arm shieldy. Yeah. Um, you know, hot hands, hands high, like weighed into box kind of style. Like it's going to be all upper body movement that lets him be a slick fighter in, in inside. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's so limited. Well, he's and, just, just not very slick. I mean, yeah, and it's just not very slick. And especially in MMA, it's a very like, you know, some, what is going to stop somebody like Joe Selecki from overhand to double legging you off your feet? Yeah. And yeah, somebody know. that awkward on the feet also shouldn't be that low output. Like, yeah. You, you, you're going to have a style like maybe your advantage is that you're confusing to deal with. Like, what is this guy doing? That means you should be doing stuff. And yeah. he's, yeah, he's, he's just, because he's not a great athlete, then he has this game with all these gaps, all these like empty spaces. It's like, I, I don't know. What do you say? Like, what, what should he be doing? Cause everything yeah. he does is like making him vulnerable. Cause it comes slowly and it wasn't like set up well. It's just sort of weird grab bag stuff. Yeah. So, so. I mean, I just got to pick Car- Joe's lucky to go out there and wrestle him down and choke him out. Yeah. Very, very straightforward pick. It's not even, you, you don't even need to see a lot of um, Deaton's grappling. No. Just just knowing that Selecki is going to have a pretty easy time getting to his positions. And yeah. when that's the case, then Selecki tends to dominate. Yeah, his big win that got him here is a win over Justin James. And Justin James, you know, as much as he had a couple of electric performances in the UFC, uh, also pigeoned him to hold himself into being a very beatable fighter because he could really only fight effectively for one round. Yeah. So beating beating him by decision is not exactly a like. No, you, it means you survived. I mean, I yeah. guess that's something, but. It's also Jane's, yeah, at the tail end of a four-fight losing streak. Like, yeah. it's just not a very meaningful win to me. No. Uh, odds on the on the fight. Wait a minute. There we go. Odds on the fight. Selecki is a huge favorite. Best fight odds is once again working with Selecki is a huge favorite. Currently tracking about five minus five fifty to minus six hundred, mm-hmm. and Deaton opened at plus three fifteen. Is currently up at plus four thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Not odds indicative of good matchmaking. <laughs> no, because they sound more or less accurate to, to yeah how the fight looks. I you know what I think it is actually. I mean, here's my actual theory about why this this fight's happening. The matchmaker saw Charles Johnson's insane haircut. <laughs> and they wanted to have a guy with similar hairstyle leanings right next yeah, to him on yeah. the card. That's the That's only right. explanation. Hair parody. Yeah, we want two guys who like have a haircut that makes them look even more balding than they are. <laughs> or they just sort of have a patch at the very back, at the nape of the neck. In, in Carl Deaton's case, I'm going to assume that it's, you know, a, a more... I think, it, I think it might be cultural. Yeah, yeah more cultural. Because he's, he's got the... I'm assuming he's not doing some cultural appropriation. He's yeah. got 
what looks to me like uh, some kind of Native American face paint on mm-hmm. in his topology photo. So, yeah. What's Charles Johnson's excuse is the question we should be asking <laughs> for that goofy ass. That is an excellent question. <laughs> All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Nerulo Aliyev, Rafael Alves. And uh, I feel like we kind of, you know, kind of got into what's up with this matchup already. Yeah. So take take it away and run with it. And I'll see if we end up at the same place because I kind of feel like we will. Yeah. I mean, one thing one thing that makes me a little cautious is my feeling on this fight is kind of very similar to my feeling about last weekend's main event, mm-hmm. which we didn't get right. No, it's true. Um, Blanchfield went in there and we're like, yeah, like she's got a pretty functional game. Um, a very functional game, in fact. But here she is against someone who's, yes, a mess, but a, just an athletic beast. Yeah. And and clearly that's going to be a problem. And, and you could see, you know, some vestiges of what we thought was going to happen in what actually happened. Like the first time Blanchfield tied up with uh, Andrade, good entry. And it just didn't happen. Like yeah. Andrade's physicality, it was just like hitting a wall. And even in the second takedown attempt of the fight, Andrade um, actually was in like a much worse position. Like uh, Blanchfield was fully in on her hips and Andrade like barely had any any leverage on the wizard that she frantically grabbed. She had to turn to and fro, but the takedown didn't materialize because she's strong and hard to move around. Yeah. It had to be a super... Not only a clean entry, but a very quick switch to the to the finish uh, for Blanchfield to actually convert her what I think was her third takedown attempt of the fight right at the start of round two. Um, and what surprised me, and I'm assuming you and lots of other people, is that Blanchfield was just really confident in taking advantage of how hittable Jessica Andrade is. Yeah, and it didn't matter that these were messy exchanges. She went in there and she knew, like, credit to her. This is a contender's mindset. Yeah. I may not be better here, but uh, uh, bad technique is bad technique, and I can still take advantage of your bad technique, even if you're dangerous in this phase. Mm-hmm. Good moves are good moves, no matter how scary the, the opponent is. And uh, that kind of dynamic playing out the way it did makes me cautious here because my gut feeling is Rulu um, Aliyev is not experienced enough and not comfortable enough on the feet or even on top. Or I'm even on top. It. Yeah. He is not a good, comfortable top grappler. He is a yeah. hold you down blanket. If he can if he can really if he can if he can find a, a moment in that that he can suddenly hurt somebody or like, you know, land a little shot or feel like somebody's breaking. Yeah. Then you saw him pour it on Josh Wick with some ground and pound in that first round to get it done. But you look at the rest of his career, there is one corner stoppage and you look at the rest of, you look at the first four minutes of that fight with Josh wick. Mm. There was no offense going on. That's true. This is not somebody who is at all necessarily a bulldozing top player. Yeah. So there's the feeling that like they they looked at the beard, yeah, and they're like, oh, this is one of these guys. Yeah, <laughs> we got to sign him. And I don't know. I mean, I I think with the Blanchfield had already proven more. Yeah, in a, in a similar kind of dynamic, she had already proven more 
I should we should feel a little stupider for not calling that than we should if this one goes yeah. against the way we're feeling because uh, Blanchfield had at least proven yeah some some like mental durability in high level competition mm-hmm. and uh, had already passed some tests and did she pass them in a shaky enough way that we we had reason to be nervous yeah but um, she passed them yeah Aliyev is kind of as yet untested. Yeah, it may actually be, honestly, that the dude he fought on the Contender Series was, like, the worst opponent of his career to date. Honestly, yeah. So that it might, like, you know, you could even, in terms of calling that, yeah, in in terms of calling that a test or step up for him, like, it was actually just a step down. Yeah. You know? At at, at most, a a plateau in in, uh, level of competition. And so I'm just going to go with my gut and say that Alves is just an athletic freak who fights super, super hard, absolutely everywhere the fight goes, a monster scrambler, a huge puncher, and, you know, yeah, frantic and messy for sure, but a messiness with a with with a kind of intensity that that uh, Aliyev has never experienced before. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about uh, this, you know, the uh, oh, what's the the team that he uh, Alves? Yeah, is he he's Factory on... X? No, no, no. He's in the the one that uh, some man used to be on. Oh, oh, uh, MMA Masters. Yeah, MMA Masters. Uh, we've talked a lot about the MMA Masters guys before, and how they are often guys who they have the exact right answer to the problem in front of them. Yeah. They just don't tend to be able to ask their own questions and create their own narrative of a fight where it's like, oh yeah, you know, Alves may not be a the guy who's going to go out there and like put a fight on you no matter what over the over the long run. But you you he's a very hard fighter to beat because you put him in a single hard spot. Yeah. You know? Like Demir Ismagulov put Alves in a lot of hard spots and still almost lost that fight. Right. Yeah. If Demir Ismagulov is gonna struggle with you, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a hard time picking a an un, an unproven prospect. Yeah. Who doesn't? Who isn't? By the way, like the kind of prospect who the most standout thing about him is his physicality. No, it's his technical entries for his wrestling. That's yeah. really it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think this is too much too soon for Aliyev. I mean, if he passes it, then that's a we big, will both be super impressed. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Um, but it does feel like a like you could book other fights than this. And I, I would still be interested to see what Aliyev did in them. Mm-hmm. You know? And no, for no. Alves, if he wins what? this, I'm not going to feel like I know anything extra about Rafael Alves. Why isn't Aliyev fighting Carl Deaton? Like, yeah. <laughs> and why isn't Alves fighting Joe Selecki? Like, yeah. Those are fights that tell me, you know, Selecki beats Alves. That's a good win for Selecki that means a lot. That is yeah. a damaging, punishing fighter that he has to go out there against. And if Alves beats Selecki, that's another, like, get, get, kick this guy back up into higher, bigger fights. Sure, he couldn't beat Drew Dober, and he couldn't beat, 
Demirius Magulov, but those are borderline top 15 talents. Let him test himself again. Right. You know? Again, it's lightweight. Like, it, of all the divisions, it should not be hard to come up with yeah. good matchups with the fighters you already have signed. Yeah. Joe Did Silva would have done it, you know, for all of his, yeah. the evil just boiling over within him. <laughs> Joe Silva would have done it, and he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have even had to be that evil to make it happen. Yeah, I'm sure. He was evil because the fights were difficult to put together. Yeah. And so he, he would, yeah. He wouldn't have had to uh, to really stretch, I don't think, to, to come up with competitive bookings that make sense for both of these guys in, in Selecki and uh, Alves. Yeah. Or or Aliyev being like the guy who should be booked as the A-side maybe because he does look yeah. like an interesting prospect. Or yeah. or a prospect versus prospect kind of fight to find out how good he really is. Not this. Yeah. Because Alves is very much a a wildly exciting mid-card action fighter in his prime who needs to be booked like a wildly exciting mid-card action fighter yeah. in his prime. Which is to say a, a relatively high-level gatekeeper or an yeah. action fight mainstay like Drew Dober. Yeah. Get him in the fights that they gave Jeremy Stevens for 20 years. Absolutely. Yes. You know? Yeah. Give him another maniac or give him someone that you're pretty sure is about to break through. Yeah, imagine giving Rafael Alves, go do like Rafael Alves, Terrence McKinney. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I'd watch the hell out of that fight. Yeah, especially because I've given up on McKinney getting good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just put him in the action fights. Aliyev opened at minus 210, jumped up to minus 161. He's currently down at minus 184. Uh, Alves opened at plus 180, jumped out, dropped down to plus 142, currently plus 152. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that Aliyev, he's got the, he's got the style, he's got the look, he's got the pretty record, but I am yet to be convinced that he is absolutely that guy. Yeah, same. So, all right, that brings us to a woman's bantamweight fight, Haley Cowan, Cowan. Eileen Perez and or Eileen Perez probably. Uh-huh. Uh and Yeah, I guess. I mean <laughs> we're we're past the point of the car where you have to care. Cowan is an interesting physical prospect who, you know, she came I think she came through to MMA through gymnastics. Oh. And it shows. Like, she looks like a very strong, naturally athletic person who has never fought before and is learning it all on the fly. We call that a reverse GSP. Yeah. GSP got into gymnastics through MMA. That's right. Cowan, you know, she started amateur in 2017, pro in 2018. And yeah, she fight. She looks like she's just figuring it all out as she goes along. You know, like I would not be surprised if she started her, if she took her first jujitsu or kickboxing class in 2016, mm -hmm. you know. And that makes every fight at a certain level tough for her. You know, she's already like her fight on, on the contender series was a huge struggle against Claudia Lete. Mm -hmm. 
her fight, uh, you know, her fights that she's won on LFA and Invicta were very low levels of competition. People that she was just a huge physical level above. And she lost to Victoria Leonardo, who is not a good athlete, but is big and strong in her debut. Yeah. And then lost to Kelly Clayton, who's, you know, just kind of out there doing stuff. Jumped, walked into a guillotine against some some woman that she was definitely supposed to be. Eileen Perez, Eileen Perez is uh, she might be our new Betch Gohea. Because hmm. all of the like really annoying confidence is there. <laughs> and there is something to her that is put together uh-huh. that is not nearly as bad as people want it to be because that confidence is annoying. <laughs> Yeah, something about something about uh, something about just like short, thick women, you know. Yeah, they've got, really they've got feeling a, themselves. <laughs> they've got an attitude, and they get drunk at the bar, and they just try to fight men, like in the bar, <laughs> like fearless, short, little, stocky women. And I kind of like it. <laughs> we need a bitch. Uh, yeah, Betch Kohea was unironically one of my favorite fighters for the <laughs> yeah. entire UFC run. I was rooting for her every time. And I'm going to pick Eileen Perez here. Really? I think well, that she is strong enough to make this a tough fight. Um, You know, she was strong enough that Stephanie Egger couldn't just run her over. And Egger is a pretty good physical, big physical fighter. He's big, certainly, yeah. Big, certainly. And uh, Perez is, she knows she needs to be aggressive. And she punches like she knows she needs to be aggressive. And Cowan, I think she takes a lot of she takes a lot for granted that people aren't going to be aggressive with her once they have to tie up with her. Mm -hmm. So I think this is going to be a very messy fight where Cowan is going to walk in on Perez without setting anything up, looking to just hulk her around and get hit with a lot of punches and lose. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see that the 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 bitchness um is often a problem against fighters who just aren't exactly sure what they're doing. Yeah, which does for the time being seem to be Cowan's sort of defining trait. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I would say she's like at least as awkward as Stephanie Egger on the feet. Yeah, while not having the judo game. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think Eileen Perez is very good. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> That's the hang up for me here. Uh, I don't think she's as good as Betch, actually. Like, Betch, for all her uh, shortcomings and all of her annoyingness, that um, 
like the reason that I found it endearing is that she was pretty, she was a pretty like gritty meat and potatoes kind of fighter. I, you, it, we might have to give Paris time. It, you know, Kohea, like she had well, yeah, to. But, she's but coming to her own. The need to give her time is is not why I'm I'm saying I don't like her. I don't think she has yeah. that quality. It's that she's not the Betch Kohea that we like actually saw win some high level fights yet. True, but this isn't a high level fight. Well, true. That's true. Um, yeah. Okay. What the hell. <laughs> I'll take Perez as well. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Like, I, Cowan has got a, 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 a pretty... split a decision over somebody that looks, you know, kind of the same yeah, equally from clueless. Contender Series. And a split to Brittany Cloudy. Two and, you know, now four and five in yeah. LFA. And uh, she's got a couple losses to pretty bad opponents. She was finishing people very early in her career when she was just can crushing. But I don't think Eileen Perez is a can, you know? I no, I don't think she's she's too tryhardy to be a real can. Yeah. And, you know, I think she's she's I think she's got some strength to her, some surprising strength. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, I'm also certainly not impressed with Cowan. My my yeah. hesitation is not, I don't think this is a fight Perez could win. It's a, I'm not sure this is a fight. I'm not sure I'm awake right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not enough. sure that I'm alive. Are these all just, am I possibly just experiencing all the sort of flashes of serotonin <laughs> released during an extended death sequence? Cowan opened plus 130, dropped down to minus 178, currently minus 128. Uh, Perrin or Perez opened at minus 150, jumped up to plus 153. He's currently back at plus 105. So odds getting closer and closer to dead even. Sure. That is fine by me. I think Perez will try harder to do things that score. That is basically my whole reason to pick her. Yeah, that that's enough for me. Sure. And that brings us to our opening bout of the card, a Bantamweight fight. Jose, or Jose Johnson. Damn, Damn, the Brazilians have ruined us for all Jose the... Johnson and Garrett Armfield. Far more numerous Spanish speakers in the world, and yet yeah. the, the, the damn Portuguese Brazilians have uh, have ruined pronunciation for us. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I don't think Jose Johnson's very good. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, first things first. Yeah. Uh, this is, is, this is uh, not a good fighter. Yeah. Um, he looks like a decent athlete. Like he looks I, strong, at least. I don't think he is. I, I think that is actually a big part of the problem is that he's actually yeah, he not. looks strong. I, I, he would not have gotten out of all of the completely terrible positions he put himself into as often as he did uh, in his contender series fight. Granted, maybe a big part of that is that Cartwright himself is not a good athlete. I think that is the real thing: is that Cartwright is an abysmal athlete. Yeah, because because now that I'm thinking of it, a lot of the positions that Cartwright lost were him just sort of like awkwardly clinging to something and flopping over. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the right. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a more relative uh, understanding of of that dynamic, because man, Johnson, like, this is a guy who has a lot of the right ideas in a, in half of the first layer when it comes to like positional yeah. grappling. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, he sprawled quickly. He knew he was supposed to do that. 
zero follow-up zero like not putting in a wizard not framing just sort of like i've sprawled what now and meanwhile the opponent is still adjusting and still working and then he just goes over there were so many initially stuffed takedowns that he got completely taken down by yeah um so many like reversals that yeah like the more i think about it are just cartwright not being strong enough himself to actually hold a position the big thing for johnson is apparently six feet tall as a band so big he's big and he was able at times to be in a terrible position and just kind of like frame and just scoot away Mm -hmm. uh, and then just get instantly taken down again yeah not a promising look and um he did beat pipe vargas Whoa, my whole perspective on him has changed. He beat our boy Pipe. Yeah. Um, Garrett Armfield is not like a great fighter either, but he does look like better than Jose Johnson. He's got a good idea of aggression and like yeah, changing things up, stay on somebody, get in their face, yeah, yeah. throw lots of strikes, get in on a takedown. He was you in know. there hanging in exchanges with uh, David Onama. He was hitting yeah. him to the body. He was countering him. Yeah. Um putting punches together like that is instantly a much better look a guy who has an idea of where he might win a fight and how to win it yeah than jose johnson who is just fumbling around yeah yeah I, and i think that was the other thing too that um because i instantly rescinded the athleticism remark yeah in favor of being strong but it's really just that he's big he's just big yeah, he's big and he clinch. He likes to clinch, and it's you know it's it, those things have led him to a lot of first round finishes over uh, smaller, yeah, and uh, even worse really fighters. bad fighters. Yeah, but when he doesn't get a first round finish, uh, you see a lot of losses to other instantly KO'd by Mana Martinez. Yeah. Styled on by Ronnie Lawrence. Uh, yeah, by Ronnie Lawrence. And just, you know, all sorts of different types of fighters have beat him all sorts of different ways. Yeah. And uh, Garrett Armfield, to me, feels like a type of fighter who can do many things. You know, it, eventually, uh, David Onama was like, oh, wait, I'm four inches taller than you. Yeah. And I can just hulk you around and I should do that and stop letting you come in and like, wreck my shit with all of your aggressive you know striking and grappling and pace yeah but until he made that rationalization that realization armfield was doing great yeah so it's not armfield's fault that onama uh has no idea how easily he should be beating everyone they're putting him in against yeah no kidding and just literally makes every fight no matter who it is as difficult as possible yep yeah, I think that uh, that that Armfield can take this. And, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is well booked if it were not in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Another you one know? where I don't know. Like, if you if you're trying to test both guys, yeah, this is a good test for them. But test them for what? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Wasn't Armfield signed short notice because we're nominated an opponent? Yeah. Yeah, Armfield was signed short notice to replace Christian Rodriguez. And now it feels like they're coming up no. with an opponent to justify Garrett Armfield. Like I yeah, don't exactly. understand what's going on with UFC matchmaking these days. Uh, it's a it's yeah. a fight. It's a fight. It's filling up. A, it's taking up a spot. 
He was he was replacing Austin Lingo on short notice to fight David Onama. Yeah. And then yeah, Jose uh Jose Johnson is just uh he won on the contender series against yep. Jack Cartwright and they signed him and then you watch that. Why fight. did they sign him? The fight is terrible. Yeah. No one looks good in that fight. And it's not even like the 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 Trevor Peak fight, where at least it's like so stupid that Dana White can't help but enjoy it. Maybe they signed him because his actual first name is Zachwarius, which is... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. No, where are you saying that? Oh, my God. Topology. Jaquarius Jamil Jose Johnson, nickname Jaquarius. Lobo Solitario. It's a really cool... When you take the whole name, okay, that I'm is a, a really cool I'm... like full name, nickname combo to be going now. by Jose Johnson. Where do you stick the nickname? Uh, I think between Yamil and Jose. Okay, Jaquarius, Yamil, Lobo, Solitario, Jose Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> two of those names, two of the six are very normal. That's <laughs> <laughs> a very strange combination of names. Yeah. All right, well, I'm a fan now. I hope he busts Armfield's shit up. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. He's not good. Yeah. All right. Armfield is the favorite here. Opened at minus 150, currently minus 158. Johnson opened at plus 130, currently plus 131. Gotcha, Aquarius. That is a dope name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who's responsible for the Jose and Johnson parts? That's what I want to know. <laughs> All right. On that note, you can find me on Twitter at These Ain't Simon. You can find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush. You can find both of us over at BloodyElbow.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast. So from Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And as always, the MMA Vivid section is brought to you by Chris Reaney and his book, The Fine Art of Violence, which you can find over at ChrisReaney.com, C-H-R-I-S-R-I-N-I.com. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Just a little reminder that you could support the MMA Vivid section, the MMA Depressed Us, and the sixth round post-fight show simply by going to patreon.com slash MMA Vivisection. With three different tiers ranging from $3 to $7, it's incredibly easy to show support to your favorite analysts, Zane, Connor, Eddie, and Phil. So if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider us. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, 
and as always, on BloodyElbow.com.